Hello, this is Haley Nauman, and you're listening to the Maybe Baby Podcast. Today, I'm going to be talking about my 25th newsletter. It was called My Thoughts on Privacy, Cheating, and Buying More Stuff. This was a dear baby, so I was answering five different reader questions. I have a submission form if you haven't seen it. Um, For those who did submit questions, thank you so much. I have like hundreds now and it's really, um, it's actually kind of a strange experience looking through them because I wish that I could just talk to all of you individually. But um, I try to pick ones that either were repeated or seem like pretty salient for something that I'm thinking about or have written about. So thank you for submitting. This week, I talked about a lot of different things. Um, I talked about the experience of writing about the people in my life and whether they get offended. I talked about Bug, my cat. I talked about infidelity and long-term relationships and my kind of stance on cheating. I talked about consumption and also how I think about myself as a child and whether I care how people from my past see me, um, where I included some anecdotes about kind of hearing from people from my past recently. So... This is probably a a newsletter where it's more, it it will be a probably richer listening experience if you've already read it. It doesn't really replace it at all. I don't get into my answers as much. Instead, I brought on a few people to kind of just explore these topics with. Um, And we're going to just do a few of them. So I first brought on Emily McGowan. I met her because we worked at Manor Peller together. She is still there, um, but now she's just a good friend of mine. And when I was there, she kind of grappled with writing about the people in her life and had some varied experiences doing that that were good and bad. So I thought she might be kind of an interesting person to talk to about this as someone who's kind of towed that line a little bit more than me. She also just has a really fascinating story uh, of the environment she grew up in and what it's been like reflecting on it now that she's out of that environment. So um, we had a really, really interesting conversation. And then the second guests were actually the one and only Mr. and Mrs. Nauman, my parents. <laughs> I brought them in to talk about what it's been like to have me write about them in public and also talk about kind of the question regarding who I was as a child and whether I care about how people see me from my past. Um, I'll be honest, they kind of just like heaped praise on me, so I'm sorry about that. They have um, a tendency to do that, which is why I love them very much. <laughs> so, you know, I wasn't complaining, but... Uh, <laughs> I'm just giving you a fair warning. So it was really fun to talk to them, though, and have them on. And they're just fun people, and I miss them. So it was nice to see their faces and hear their voices. So without further ado, let's get right into it. Okay, are you recording? Yes, recording. Okay, hi, Emily. Hi, Haley. Thanks for having me. <laughs> it's so nice to see you. It makes me feel like I'm like I work somewhere and I'm on a Zoom meeting. I know, it does feel like that. <laughs> I know that's not as thrilling for you as someone who's on Zooms all day, but it's fun for me. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's Google Hangout Central every single day, so. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I wanted to talk to you because this week I wrote about basically like writing about people in my life, especially maybe negative experiences, but even just like complicated or challenging experiences. And how do I do that sort of honestly and openly um, without basically like making people feel that I've Mm -hmm. breached their privacy um, or like told their story or something like that. And, and how do I deal with it? Someone was like, they asked me basically like if I, if I ask permission to write about people or not, or do I keep it vague? And I wanted to talk to you about this because I feel like I remember a time at Manor Peller uh, when we were working there together that you have, like, grappled with, like, writing about your life and have sometimes sort of taken risks and sometimes they didn't work out and sometimes they did. So I'm just curious, like, what your perspective is on this as somebody who's, like, starting to write more personal pieces but, like, also maybe I think you have a slightly different relationship with privacy than I do and that you're maybe, like, Mm -hmm. a little more tentative with certain things. I'm just curious to hear your thoughts. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think also when I think back to the pieces that I wrote for Man Repeller, now Repeller, um, (laughs) that were more personal, (laughs) plug on my end, Um, like the two topics that I ended up writing about at length that ended up being kind of controversial for me were 
one, like my family, my parents, my religion, and how that upbringing kind of affected me as an adult. And then the other thing I can think of, which was published and stayed published, uh, whereas the other one I ended up having to take down because of familial concerns. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one I wrote that had a lot of like controversy around it was uh, about like my relationship to men um, in general. And like I included my my partner, my then partner in it at the time. And that also did not go over well with him. Mm. So yeah, there, I mean, the two times that I've written like quite vulnerably for the site and have included other people, they just didn't go well for me. Um, (laughs) And I guess the reason behind that in terms of like my family is that I just come from a pretty strict upbringing. My parents have like a lot of oversight in my life even now as an adult in ways Mm. that like (laughs) um I don't know it's kind of like I've I've lived my entire life like in a way that is I don't know where I've been kind of like thinking about how all my actions will affect them even as like a completely independent adult um right so when I wrote this this one story that was kind of about like how do you assert independence after you like have lived in a family and like were raised in a family that was pretty like helicoptery um was this a, was it like a question that somebody asked you that you were answering in an essay form yeah it was an ask mr okay i see TBT. and what was the exact question do you remember it was somebody else had grown up in a religious environment or was it more vague it so i think it was something like how do i assert more like independence from my family who has had like a lot of i don't know this has played a big role in my like adult life mm-hmm. and I was like that resonates with me let me <laughs> yeah. try yeah do you remember feeling nervous or like unsure about whether you should talk about your family or were you sort of like this is a good opportunity for me to like connect with somebody yeah I mean I I kind of perceived like taking the job at Man Repeller as like Uh, an autonomous push for myself anyway I was like okay there are going to be moments where I'm going to be more vulnerable and more public about that vulnerability than I would be anywhere else or in any other job um and I I knew that going in I think my parents to a degree knew it but they thought that I was going to do that like in a way that would make them feel comfortable always and would never like transgress or like push the boundaries of what they would be comfortable having people know yeah um and so when I, when I like heard about this Ask MR, I was like, oh, this is something that is really personal to me that I would love to talk about. I was, I kind of wasn't thinking that my parents would actually like still be able to assert like dominance over me in this moment. Right. Or mm-hmm. I was kind of thinking like, this is a great opportunity for me to like really feel this independence that I've carved out for myself and like be excited about it and share that experience with somebody else on how I have accomplished it. And then the, the like, deep, deep irony of the whole moment was that my parents asked for the article to be unpublished from site after it was published. Yeah, and do, can you, like, just... I, I think I edited that piece, actually, of yours, right? You did. Yeah, you were really helpful. Um, I don't remember that much about it. Like, do, can you give me, like, a minute, quick, like, recap of what it was w- without feeling like you're, like, relitigating something you wanted to keep private? Yeah, no, I mean, I t- again, it... For me, it wasn't something that I felt needed to be private, but it just, well, anyway, the, what what it was was basically me saying that I grew up in a religion, Christian science, that was, like, fairly restrictive in terms of, like, what it allows, what it allows you to do. It kind of follows the same tenets as Mormonism insofar as, like, no sex, no drinking, no drugs, no coffee, no visiting doctors, Um <laughs> Or no sex until, like, you're married? Yes, no sex until marriage. Okay, I was going to say, um, no sex ever would be pretty rude. <laughs> yeah, we're actually shakers. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so it, anyway, it's it's a pretty restrictive religion, and, like, mm-hmm. I we had, like, a pretty intense, like, moralistic upbringing, um, and... My my mother, like, definitely kept a very tight leash on, like, me and my brother, making sure that we didn't get into any kind of, like, temptation or trouble. Did you feel, like, really connected with... I, I think I'm projecting a little bit, but I, I grew up in a church. Mm-hmm. I ended up, like, leaving the church around, like, in high school age. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like as a kid, I was, like, really bought into it, and I felt really... 
I mean, I had my, like, occasional doubts, like any kid does when you're like, what if Santa's not real kind of vibes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I think that I felt pretty – I was pretty into it or, like, not questioning. Did you feel like that as a kid or were you always sort of, like – because I know you ended up sort of leaving when you were, like, 18, right? Yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, you can choose whether or not you want to include this. But, like, basically my relationship to the religion was really strong up until the age of 13. And then I found this, like, book underneath my mother's bed that was talking about, like – how a child relates to their sexuality through the lens of like god and christianity and i read this section about like masturbation and i realized i had been like masturbating for like five six years at that point and then i thought that god hated me and i oh my god that's so traumatic no i actually went through like a horrible depressive episode i remember it was in seventh grade i thought that i like like, my mother would disown me if she knew. I thought, like, I had no context for this outside of this chapter on masturbation that I read where it basically said women do not masturbate. And it was like, women don't do that. And if they do, then they should seek help. And I was like, oh, okay, great. Oh, um, no. So I remember, yeah, I remember thinking at that time, like, God hated me. There was, like, I was out of the religion. Like, I, I thought about, like, selling my story to Seventeen magazine because I thought it was, like, torrid and crazy. I'm not kidding. I was like, I thought... Oh, my God. I thought I was the only girl on the planet who had masturbated for, like, six years by the time they reached age 13. So, anyway. Anyway, this is – I mean, I would just like to – just to offer, like, comfort. I feel like most girls that age, like, feel really alone and, like, it's wrong and bad. Yeah. I think yours was, like – yours mm-hmm. was just, like, absolutely heightened. Mm-hmm. And I can't imagine thinking that you were truly, like, betraying God. Yeah. That sounds so scary. Yeah, it was. And then I stopped. <laughs> I stopped masturbating and I was like very devout in the religion for like, I want to say a year and a half. I like tr- I didn't do anything. I was like, I was very committed to Christian science. And then at some point I was like, fuck this. I like want to enjoy m- my life again. And I started masturbating. <laughs> it's so weird that it's all around masturbation. Is that gross? I love it. That's like the symbol of your like secular departure. <laughs> It literally is. Honestly, it's kind of powerful. Yeah. So I think it was like when I was 15 that I fully was just like, I am not committed to this church anymore. Like if if God sees me as like X, then like I don't want to be here anyway. Was it something outside that like something external that like pulled you out or was it just like an internal change where you're like, never mind, fuck this? Yeah, it was kind of like an internal change. I was just like, I don't want to live my life this way there were other parts of the church too that I just like didn't I felt like a weirdo not being able to like be in multiple sections of like biology class like I would get pulled out of biology because in Christian science you're not supposed to learn about like certain diseases because learning about them gives them power like mentally so wow so interesting it was it was just I felt like a a weirdo in many ways and so I just kind of wanted to not feel like a weirdo and that's why I stopped. Yeah. Yeah. So when you went, you left for college, you went to like a small liberal arts college. Mm-hmm. Was that like a huge culture shock? Or were you like excited to feel like free or to like to live as you pleased? Yeah. I mean, it was really exciting. It was the first time that I drank. It was the first time that I ever like kissed someone beyond like a boy that I like clicked teeth with while trying to make out. And at age 16, that was like all I had done. When I got to college, um, so it really was like I felt like a an infant <laughs> when I got there. Um, born anew. Born anew, truly. But yeah, even when when I was eighteen, I just like I told my mother that I wasn't going to be participating in the church anymore, and like I went to the doctor and I got all of my immunizations at that age. So um, that was like another weird thing. I was getting shots like every three months for a year. <laughs> um, wow, such an intense. I mean, I think a lot of kids go through, like, a type of rebirth when they leave their house, but that just, yours was on another level. Yeah, it was, it was definitely weird. But I think because I hadn't had exposure to any of those things, it wasn't like I went, like, absolutely buck wild. Like, I think my moral compass was so internalized in me that I, I felt like I couldn't do anything beyond, like, moderation for everything like right I drank and I threw up once and I was like I'm not gonna drink very much I didn't like that (laughs) (laughs) I mean same same (laughs) (laughs) yeah 
yeah. Oh, was, God. And then here I am now. But, um, <laughs> yeah, and then I got a boyfriend, and then I was like, this is what I'm going to do to, like, practice, like, my sexuality and experience my sexuality. Um, but that was also weird, so no thanks to him. So by the time you wrote the article it had been like about 10 years since you left your house yeah and where did where were you at with your parents in terms of like you having left christian science and having been like pretty open with them that you were like living a different life than like what they wanted it's interesting because i felt like we were in a certain place where like that was kind of the whole premise of the article too i was like we have come to this good understanding of like who who each other is and who who we are like collectively um like they understand that i am not going to be this person that's going to be part of the church that is not going to be like devout that isn't going to follow the same kind of like moral strictures that they imposed on me from a young age um was there like sorry i should have asked was there like a memorable turning point when like they were sort of angry at your choices and then they sort of accepted them or was it more gradual Um, I would say even in college, I had this, like, really close lens on me, um, that felt, like, pretty intense. Obviously, I was living an independent life at college, like, they couldn't watch my every move, but when, when they would find out about certain things, it was, like, the hammer would come down, um, and they would definitely be like, you know, we'll pull you out of school if we hear more about, like, this kind of behavior from you, um... Okay. But I guess it wasn't really until I was making my own money that, like, they they started to loosen their grip. Um, Maybe because they realized they, like, they didn't really have anything to take away. Right, yeah. At that point. And also, like, I have had a lot of really important conversations with my mom and my dad in the past few years. Um, like, transformative ones where, like, I mean, I've talked to my mom about the masturbation thing, and she was like, my God, Emily, if I had known that you were struggling with that, I would have helped you and told you that it was okay. And, like, oh. I, I remember, like, sobbing, like, hearing that story because that would have been, like, so important to me at that time because I was mm-hmm. suffering so much. Um, yeah. And, I mean, we've had a couple conversations like that where we just, like, I don't know. I used to be so resentful of the religion, especially during those college years, and resentful of my parents for raising me in, with, like, such a strict, in such a strict way. And then afterwards we kind of had these conversations where I understood that they were just trying to protect me right and that they had been raised Christian science right yeah my mom was and she was just oh your mom okay my dad too actually they both were Christian scientists um raised a little differently but my mom was raised like with that very intense moral compass and she just you know I remember her telling me and she was like crying she was like I I raised you the only way that I knew how and that I would like a way that I was grateful for having been raised. So yeah, I, I wasn't trying to hurt you. I wasn't trying to make you miserable. I was just trying to like do the best that I could. And yeah. I, I see that now for what it is, but I get like emotional talking about my mom. Cause I like, anyway, she's my yeah, mom. I, mean, I, I understand. <laughs> I feel like it's, I, I always think of you as having like, I think you're really good at like holding two ideas in your head at once, which is that like, you disagree with how she raised you, but also, like, really respect her for raising you and, like, with love. And, like, I feel like I just always get a sense of a lot of, like, love between you guys, and which I don't always sense between people who have, like, a lot of resentment for their childhood. Mm-hmm. Or especially, like, a really hyper-religious childhood. I feel like a lot of people end up having, like, a much more, like, antagonistic relationship with their parents. So I, I, I thought, like, you have kind of an interesting balance your or like it's an interesting line you're trying to walk and I feel like it kind of culminated in this piece yeah that was almost going to like it almost I wonder like how you think feel about it now like do you think that it was too disruptive to this like balance you're trying to to manage or do you do you kind of like regret pulling it down or like how did you feel in the moment versus now yeah I mean I think I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. I think it was a kind of situation where, like, my parents are, they're very, very private people, and they don't like people knowing about certain aspects of our lives, and certainly not, yeah. like, our dirty laundry. <laughs> However that may look, um, they they kind of, like, they very much are dedicated to keeping up appearances um, publicly. So having something like this on the internet that is searchable, 
with my name attached to it was just like too much for them to grapple with. Um, and I remember when they called me after it was published and like said that they were so disappointed that I would like rope them into the conversation. Um, they, they also said like, this isn't our story. Like this isn't, this isn't like, it doesn't include our perspective. It doesn't actually resonate with us. It doesn't feel like that is what happened. And I was like, well, it's my story and I wrote it and that is how it felt to me. Um, but they were like, I understandably, and if, if that's the case, like that's fine, but this is still public. This is still attached to your name. And like, this can't be, this can't be something that people can find about our family and about our dynamic. And so that's ultimately what shut it down. And it made me really sad because it felt really invalidating at the time to have my parents say, you know, this doesn't feel like our story. Cause I was like, it is our story. It's exactly how I feel. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it's so complicated. I think this is what's really hard about writing about people in your life because they can see it completely differently and it feels false to them. Right. I mean, I always think about like Nora Ephron. Did you ever see her, the documentary her son made about her called Everything is Copy? No. It's a really good one if you're like a Nora Ephron fan. Um, but she, yeah, they, I mean, she talk, they talk a lot about how she kind of, everyone in her life sort of knew that they were going to, she was going to write about them, like whether they liked it or not. Mm -hmm. And like, if they said something funny, like it was going to show up in her writing or like they, if they, you know, her husband cheated on her and she wrote like a whole book and then made a movie that's like very like, what's the, what's the term? Auto fiction, auto fictional, mm. um, where it was like loosely based on her life or very clearly her. Yeah. And people got, like, angry at her. And she was always just, like, it was. she just saw it as sort of, like, an occupational hazard. Mm -hmm. And she just cared more about the work. Yeah. And I think that probably hurt some of her relationships. Yeah. I feel a little bit more trepidatious where I don't really feel like I would sacrifice a relationship, probably. I mean, I'm in a more, I think I'm probably in, like, a pretty lucky position in that I don't feel put in that position. Yeah. Very often. I mean, one thing I mentioned in my answer is that um, I did, like, risk something when I wrote about my ex. Right. I mean, I've, how much have I written about that ex? <laughs> <laughs> like, the poor guy. Like, I don't even know if he's, like, following my work. I, like, for all I know, he, like, hasn't read any of it and doesn't know, and that which almost stresses me out more because mm -hmm. that means he, like, could, all, he could discover all of it. <laughs> but, um, but, like, we have, a, we have a good relationship, and I feel like he... He he knew that he was even when we were dating he would show up in my writing so I think he was sort of like accepting of it, um, but yeah I mean like writing that I had like doubts throughout our entire relationship. It's probably was it probably would be pretty hurtful yeah. even though he knew. Um, yeah, I mean, but but like yeah I mean that that piece I feel like has helped so many people like or I just get I get so many messages so I feel like in that case. I had to basically, like, weigh the, the costs and benefits. Mm -hmm. um, but I can see that it would be a lot harder with parents or family. I think you're in kind of a rare position where I think a lot of people who are writing about their parents in that way are, like, not. They don't have a great relationship with their parents anymore. Right. Yeah. So do you feel, like, now it's been, it's probably been, like, a couple of years since you wrote that, right? Yeah, I think, like, two. Or yeah. Over a year, at least. How do you feel about it now? Like, do you feel like you would do it exactly the same way where, like, you would write it and take it down? Or, would, like, you didn't talk to them before you wrote it, right? I didn't, no. Okay. So how do you, yeah, how do you, like, reflect on it now? Um, I mean, I think at the time, one of the interesting things was that I didn't feel, and I mean, chalk this up to, like, imposter syndrome, but I just, I didn't feel like I was enough of, like, a real writer to even, like, validate my my choice to put myself in, out in the world in that way, if that makes mm -hmm. any sense. Like, I feel like if yeah. I, if I had had an established track record of like really reaching people with my work or like really like having people say to me, like, this really resonates, this was really important to me, then I feel like I would have felt like, okay, I can put this out there. Like it will impact somebody. Maybe it will actually help somebody. Yeah. But at the time I was kind of like, the, the risk assessment was just like I am risking my relationship with my family and I don't know if this is actually going to like impact that many people in the grand scheme of things <laughs> right like will it have been worth it I mean I think that I think it would have 
helps people. I guess it's hard to know, but right. it is maybe interesting to think about whether maybe there is, first of all, I think that like you do have obviously imposter syndrome. I've been saying for years that you're like a great writer, but, um, you're, I know you're very sweet. <laughs> no, you are, you are. Um, so maybe though you will write about this one day and that was sort of a trial run for thinking about like what you want to offer with it. And also like, what is your story to tell? And maybe it needs to be a bigger piece that's like more complicated. Cause I actually think that you are the way that you're straddling sort of two perspectives is, is not something I've seen written about that much. Um, I mean, I know a lot of kids, I feel like a lot of first gen kids write about it with like straddling their parents culture with like American culture. Um, mm-hmm. so you did, you definitely see some of that, but it's such a complicated and interesting, like emotional experience that I feel like maybe there is space down the road for something that feels more considered and like maybe, um, you've talked with your parents about it more or feel like there's a way to do it that, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe considering this felt like such a monumentous moment, like maybe it was just like too quick, quick and like short and maybe didn't give it the full space it needed or something. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I feel like, um, there's, there's so much misrepresentation of Christian science as a religion, and I am deeply, deeply defensive of it, despite the fact that I have a very complicated relationship with it. Like, I even accidentally stumbled into this book by Emily Friedland called A History of Wolves, and I didn't even know, sorry about my outside noise, but <laughs> Emily Friedland, Friedland, History of Wolves, and I like didn't even know what I was getting into when I read it, and it turned out to be this story that was kind of about Christian science, but it didn't and every, every place and every time I've ever encountered Christian science in like pop culture or fiction or anything, like it's not a nuanced conversation and it's never from people who were in the religion themselves. So it's kind of like everyone is always kind of presenting it as this like malignant thing where like children die because they like parents don't take them to the hospital and like curable diseases are like not treated because of, I don't know, because of this like sinister religion. And it's, it's just so much more complicated than that and the religion actually has aspects to it that are really beautiful and things that I'm very grateful to have had like imbued in me from childhood so anyway that could be an interesting angle too or I mean like thinking like adding a little more nuance like maybe even if it's not featuring your own story like I mean I'm just like throwing around ideas but it could be interesting for you to like talk to other people and get some of those experiences that like lend it more nuance you know, like sort of yeah. be sort of a conduit for these stories instead of feeling like you have to lay your own out there. Yeah. Did you ever read Educated by Tara Westover? No. I've heard of that one, though. Yeah. I mean, actually, I don't think it's Christian science. I'm trying to think of what it was. Um, I'm going to look uh, look at it. Oh, it's Mormon. But I feel like there was some similar, um, like, anti-medicine. Mm-hmm. It sounds some like some of the anecdotes you shared with me. I feel like are similar. Um, it's a, it's like a much more intense sort of experience night than like the impression I've gotten from yours. But um, it's a good one where you sort of see the humanity in the people. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't feel like there. It, it does. I don't know if that's necessarily the most forgiving pers- perspective. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I feel like you should read that one. I'm interested in the. Is it she runs with wolves? I said. Um, History of Wolves. Oh, History of Wolves. Okay, yeah, mm-hmm. I think like I've heard of that. Maybe I saw it on, like, your story or something. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting. So then you had the other one that you wrote about with your ex and he wasn't happy. Yeah. What, what was that one? I forget. Um, that one was about, like, how, <laughs> how do I engage with men in, like, a, in, in, like, a meaningful way in, like, a post-Me Too movement. Oh. type thing. Such, a, such a dangerous topic. Honestly, you're brave for like for I know it's like the few times I try to like write about my like personal life, which I really don't do that often on Repeller. Like I do these hard hitting ones that are really controversial that like everyone is like, screw you. Um but anyway, my choice, whatever. No, um, well you had a lot of good pieces. Also if you write too many light pieces you're also like you're annoyed that you're writing too many light pieces. Oh, at right? this point, I'm happy being fluffy, Anna. Just guess. I, you are you are really good at. Let me produce light. fluff. Levity. Um. <laughs> yeah. No. That one. He was just like. 
he, well, he specifically said to me that he did not want to be included in anything that I ever wrote. Kind of when... Oh, really? Yeah, when I took the job, he was like, please do not involve me in anything. I don't want to be involved. Um, How did that make you feel? um, Or did you totally understand? Like, I would have been like, excuse me. (laughs) I mean, because as you know, I like write about everybody all the time. Yeah, I don't know. It, It felt, I mean, it kind of felt similar to like what my parent, the kind of rules and restrictions my parents imposed on me insofar as like what I could write about. So it was just like another person that was like, don't write about me. So I was like, okay, if I ever write anything, it has to really just be about me and like mm-hmm. not, not about my life or abstractly about my life. If it does relate to my relationships. Um, mm-hmm. but it has felt restrictive. Um, I don't know. It has, it's, it's not like a great feeling to have the people around you be like, I don't want you to talk about me or else like our relationship will be compromised. Um, and and it's a risk. Yeah. Yeah. It feels sort of manipulative or something. Yeah. If you're trying, I mean, if you're trying to like speak your truth or like it's tough, I mean, it's tough. I feel like when you were writing those pieces, were you thinking about them reading it and like trying to write it in a way that was sort of fair and that would be forgiving Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, because I feel like you're the type of person who was, like, probably, like, overthinking it, and then to see that, like, it still wasn't enough is probably hard. I mean, I was shocked when my parents called me to talk about that that one story that I wrote, because I thought I was very generous in the grand scheme of things. Um, Yeah, we had, like, a whole – I kind of forget, but I feel like we had a whole paragraph where you were talking about, like, how important – they are to you and like how much you love them and are happy that your relationship's better and stuff like that yeah kind of the same stuff that I'm saying here it's like the overarching message of it was like I am grateful to them for everything that they have done and everything that they've given me even if it was hard like on the journey you know Mm -hmm. so it was weird to me that their immediate takeaway was we've been criticized we've been maligned like how could you do this to us because it was like it just didn't take into consideration like the larger picture Right. Do you see who's here? Baby boy. Oh my god, I'm so excited. Hi. Oh, oh, I miss his face so much. (laughs) I I love him. I I talk about him every day, Haley. I talk about him every day. I'm not kidding. Well, maybe we should talk about Bug really fast because... Do Do you want to? I talked about him in this newsletter. Yeah, I know. What what lessons has Bug taught you, Emily, as as his occasional babysitter? I actually think it's really hard to talk about because this is so dramatic. But Bug is yeah, just for the, for people listening. Her hand is to her heart, and she's listening, looking into the distance. <laughs> I just, I think Bug is just like one of the most special cats that I've ever encountered, and like we both know, I'm a cat lover yada 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 but like I just think that bug is so special like where do you find a cat that will graze like occasionally throughout the day doesn't overeat doesn't like vomit often like (laughs) is very is just like docile and sweet and like when you hear him meow it feels like angels are singing and like (laughs) it's (laughs) and like is affectionate but not too affectionate and just like in the right ways and like has a face that is it it looks like no one could have ever imagined a face like bugs so <laughs> i don't i don't know it's like i just think he's the perfect cat and he's ruined me for all cats it's like I when love you, you date someone and you just are like it's i i will never find love like this again that is how i feel about bug <laughs> i love oh hearing you talk about bug because i mean w- one of the things i kind of wrote about was that I am not really a cat person, and so I feel sort of mystified by him, and I don't have, like, a lot of comparisons for other cats, so I love that you are a big cat person, and you feel like Bug is, like, the most special. (laughs) It makes me feel really happy for him. He's fundamentally good. Like, everything about him is just goodness. Like, if there's heaven, Bug is, like, top (laughs) seat in heaven. I'm not kidding. I think Wait, he's so, so special. You talk about him every day. Can you, like, give me an example of, like, what you might say? Or think well, you usually, said? You think about him? I usually talk about him with my my partner now, Taylor, because um, she did meet him at one point and got to hang out with him for a little bit. What'd she think? 
love. She's not even a cat person. She, like, had never really hung out with cats, had never spent time with cats, and she is obsessed with bugs. We both are. <laughs> we actually think that, like, we think that, like, not having bug within our relationship is makes it harder on us. Like... <laughs> Because we we talk about it and we're like we we actually need but because like <laughs> if there was ever a moment where like I was on the phone and we had gotten into a conflict or something like I was like but bug and then I would like Facetime her and show her bug and she'd be like yeah bug and <laughs> oh my god he's out here fixing relationships <laughs> he's just the most powerful little creature um so anyway well, now I talk about getting like a cat and I'm like I can't get a Persian cat because that's literally like. That's, that'd be so embarrassing for me if I got a Persian cat. <laughs> Honestly, please do. Be real. Oh, if only he could hear the sweet things that you're saying about him. <laughs> um, okay, well, I think this was really good. Thank you so much for sharing. It was really nice to talk to you. And thank you for being open. I know it's like a touchy subject, obviously. Yeah, of course. No, I, I am very open about it. That's the weird thing. I just have people who don't want me to be open mm-hmm. about things. Well, good thing this but... podcast isn't very popular. <laughs> No, thank you. This was nice. It was so nice to talk to you also. Even though I got to see you yesterday, I like I like to see you digitally, you know, just for the full experience. I know. It does feel like you're... We never got to really do this because you left MR right before the digital age. I know. So. And now I have no community. <laughs> That's not true. I have the Maybe Baby community. You do. <laughs> Big one. Um. Okay. Well, have a nice afternoon. Bye, M. Apologies for that very abrupt ending. She stopped recording before she said goodbye. <laughs> anyway, okay, next up is this conversation with my parents. Hi, guys. Hi. Hello. Hello, hello. <laughs> it's so nice to see your faces. <laughs> You're looking positively sun-kissed. <laughs> <laughs> we are. You guys have, like, really good lighting for all your FaceTimes, like, full, like, fr- like sunshine on straight on the face. You could have, like, a makeup tutorial YouTube. We face that big open window. <laughs> you guys are all the way over in San Diego. Yes. And do you guys have anything to share about what you did today? Anything interesting? A fun fact? What's your vibe? We went to the acupuncturist. Oh, wait, for mm-hmm. both of you? We both, we both had treatment. He's going to try and help me with my left ear hearing loss. Oh, so you had to get it into, like, your face? It hurt. It hurt terrible. No. Yeah. What did you get it for down your back? Yeah, I mean, this guy's really helped me. We're going to sound like a couple of nuts, yeah. by the way. Uh, the <laughs> you might need to do that. <clears throat> but. So, I got my acupuncture once. Did I ever tell you guys about no, that? No, for what? I, like, this this lovely woman, like, invited me to get it. I thought it was just a normal, like, facial. And I didn't, like, read the fine print that it was, like, an acupuncture oh. facial. But then, like, when we I got there, she was, like asking you all these questions. I was like, oh, actually, I think we should just do, like, your body instead of your face. Like, it sounds like you... Like, I, I was, like, really anxious when I went. And she was like, so do you have this? Do you have this? And I was like, yes, 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 yes. She was like, you sound like you're a complete disaster. <laughs> like, we need to fix everything. <laughs> and, like, I was just... I actually got really panicky. I was, like, really, really hot, and I felt like I couldn't move. And they every time I moved, it felt it, like my muscles were, like, spasming. Yeah, it hurts. Yeah. Oh. Awful, awful. Like every time people say, oh, acupuncture doesn't hurt at all. I'm like, yeah. I, I mean, That's bullshit. It actually it hurts. <laughs> it totally hurts. It'd be great. But anyway, okay, so enough of that. That's what we did for today. We went to the acupuncturist. Okay, well, that's kind of exciting. More exciting than anything I did today. Mm-hmm. We took her car in, too. Yeah, that's really good. <laughs> I mean, we've had a long list we've of things today. We've been very, very busy. Very busy we went today. and picked up our vote masks. That's true. That's three things we've done. You went to what? We, we, oh, she's okay. For, for those listening, my mom's running off camera. Yeah, scampering. She, she has some masks that say vote. Oh, vote masks. Okay. See? Oh, wow. Nice, nice. Spreading the important messages while keeping yes. everyone safe. So, you're really our fourth item on the to do list today, which is, you know, it's only <laughs> one ten. I busy know. Day. I couldn't believe I had to really schedule around your guys' <laughs> happenings. <laughs> As someone who literally has very little to do, I was happy to accommodate. Oh, well, yeah, did you hear me? Very, very um, unusual for us. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, okay, well, why don't we start out with, uh, there's two questions I think would be interesting to talk about. The first being, like, the experience of having me write about my life, and which sometimes includes you guys. Yes. I've been doing that probably, f- you know, since 
for the last like five years or so. Um, what's that been like from your perspective? Like, do you feel like there's ever been some discomfort or feeling like exposed or that maybe like I told a story differently than you would have seen it or anything like that? Um, you know, I mean, sometimes you write things that I think, oh, that, you know, I don't remember it like that. Like, mm-hmm. but then I usually come full circle of like, you know, I mean, who knows? Memory is not reliable. So my memory might be different. And, you know, plus, you know, whatever age you are that you take in the information forms your memory. So, you know, yeah. I figure, you know, it's, if it's your memory, it's valid. And, um, you know, so, I mean, you've never done anything where I've, you know, I don't feel like you've ever written anything that's made me be like, you've got to be kidding. No, no, don't do that. I mean, you, sometimes you mention other friends and stuff from things where I'm friends with their parents. I'm just like, ah, it's like, don't do that. (laughs) They might be. Oh my God. I don't feel like I usually write about people. Well, yeah, yeah. That one, that one, that one, I won. Oh, I think I know what you're talking about. And I don't know who's listening or reading or whatever. So anyway, that, but yeah, typically I, I don't feel like you write harsh stuff about us. I I like reading when you write about our family. I I think that it usually reflects kind of the whole, you know, when we're all together, kind of how you kids are when, as you remember things and, you know, some things you remember them in a, you know, a different light than we do. But I always like getting that perspective. I mean, every now and then, you know, I squirm when you, you talk about how, how they, you behaved in videos. Well, well that would be that <laughs> would be one thing, but no, that I was actually true. going more to you know sometimes your your love life and stuff like that. I I probably don't uh, I don't read as eagerly, but you know I mean that's uh, part of what makes Haley maybe baby. Yeah, that's definitely crossed my mind. Is that I I mean I think I remember feeling sort of. Um, getting to a point where I was just going to like write whatever I wanted and not really care so much about like who read it or just feeling like I got to a point where I was different sides of me were sort of converging into something more solid and I didn't feel like I needed to like be a different person in front of you guys that I was in front of my friends or in front of my partner. Right. It's something I, I remember feeling sort of, there was definitely some risks inherent in that. Cause like, everyone is a little bit different in front of different people. So I feel like there's sometimes some awkwardness with that, but I feel like I really appreciated the fact that I felt a lot more known by you guys once you started reading my writing, or rather I started writing a lot. True, yeah. I felt, do you guys feel like you started seeing me like in a different light or like knowing, feeling like you knew me better? For sure, for sure. But um, oftentimes too, I laugh at, you know, how it's evolved, having listened to you since you're tiny with these uh, emotions and figuring stuff out and always thinking <laughs> it's, I mean, it's cool to watch what you've become. Like I am not that surprised. You always really thought so deeply about things as a young child that used to, I used to always sit in groups with people talking about how deeply you thought about things and always made me laugh. Cause you were, <laughs> you know, you were kind of, I, I don't know if I call it old soul, but you really were quite a thinker. I would say that that it very little surprises me really about the analysis that you you know go through with yourself and your relationships and your life and how you come to certain conclusions and decide on a direction. I mean that's so Haley from when you were little. I mean it's just uh, it's more the same. It, it we doesn't more surprise marvel me. at your ability to articulate it. That's, yeah, I think that's that's no. the one thing. It's I love how you You're articulate so certain certain yeah. feelings or things that occurred in your life that we're familiar with yeah. that it, you know, it's, it's really fun to how you, how you present it. Yeah. As I love to be complimented by my parents. So I'm <laughs> lapping this up. <laughs> still my one goal to make you guys proud. Well, it's still, still it's, on that it's still early in the podcast. <laughs> yeah. We'll have to get, we'll have to put the critical feedback in the latter half. Um, yeah. I think that's interesting because I, you know, I would have thought that maybe I was sort of putting on airs around you maybe when I was younger as to like who who I thought you wanted me to be or something and that maybe there was this like revealing, but maybe you guys were just like, no, this is who you've always been. (laughs) It was more of a confirmation. Partly, but I mean, you've actually, I mean, all of your stuff that you've done, you often have, uh, you've written stuff where it's changed my thinking for sure. You've opened up subjects and, and things where I think differently of them now. 
you know, absolutely. You know, as you've explored some of these things, you know, if uh, it's really opened up my world, I feel like. I've learned a lot from you with your writing. I, I would also say that I wouldn't say you're any different from anybody else. You went through phases, you know, and, yeah. and you know, I mean, there were times when we looked at each other and said, whoa, <laughs> you know, and then, and then it would kind of come back to, you know, maybe the more normal trajectory and we're like, okay, phew, Haley's back. <laughs> wait, wait, I need to like, I need an example. More so, <laughs> I, I'd say my biggest thing that you write about where I am like, hey, 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 no, like sometimes we sound so strict and like we were just so rigid and where I would just oftentimes want to shout into the article, put a quote, a comment or something that says, wait a minute, you know, this is a child who forced herself to stop sucking her finger because the dentist asked her to give it a try. I mean, after negotiation, there was a negotiation there where you said, he said, are you ready? And you said, well, not, not this time. And he, and he, you agreed to talk about it in six months. And then in six months, he asked you if you'd consider stopping sucking your finger and you said, I'd try. And then you put yourself on that little schedule of watching that clock, sucking your finger and, for a certain amount of time and you weaned yourself off it. it. It had nothing to do with us. You often did things that had nothing to do with us. Yeah. So you're saying that like, sometimes I've characterized uh, oh, my child as like really being really disciplined on your behalf when it really, it was self-inflicted. Very, yes, <laughs> very, you were very self-driven from really always, which, would, which is why you were easy. Do you think that that was nature or like, Yes. Well, do you think it was definitely nature, but do you think that there was something about the fact that, like, I was the youngest and really wanted to be, like, the perfect child, and since you guys were pretty disciplined with Kelly and Andy, I, like, kind of disciplined myself Absolutely. getting in trouble? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with Mom. I think there's some, yeah. definitely some nature in there, but, I mean, watching what Kelly and Andy went through and, and you know, where they ran into bumpers and their, you know, in their journey would certainly shape your... Your, pers- your personality. I, I mean, I think, I mean, you avoided so many of the little traps. Either we didn't ever know about them <laughs> or you were, you know, you're better at covering them up. I don't know, but. Maybe I was just the smartest at like deception and actually I was like the worst kid. I just never got in trouble for it. Well, well I, that'd be an interesting I think, we, I think part discussion. of the, you know, the, you know, you, you, over time we learned like for what Andy needed, the kind of, um, discipline like you know he didn't respond as easily to hey you know we don't do that or hey go sit about sit in the corner and think about that or in your room you know he required so a lot of times I think our form of discipline I don't know that we were naturally going to be really strict parents I think we found the consistency was really what worked best um, for sure with Andy and Kelly whereas I don't know that you were a kid that would have needed it although you know maybe you didn't need it because you watched, you, you know, Kelly and Andy paved the way for you. Yeah, it's hard you know? to say. I'm going to take a different position than that because, I mean, I knew the gene pool from my side of the family. And, you know, I was, I was pretty heavily, you know, disciplined from my parents for getting out of line and stuff. And I didn't see a lot of difference in Kelly and Andy than me. So I knew there was going to be, you know, we're going to have to, to deal with some issues. But uh, you definitely were different. I mean, you you avoided the pitfalls. You know, you, you your grades were always good or better than you know anything that would raise a flag. And you're pretty respectful of you know our wishes about whether it was drinking or curfews or whatever. And I can't think of any big events. Whereas I can come up with a couple of big ones for your brothers and sister, but not for this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's for another time. I mean, yeah, just, I mean, you know, they, you know, Kelly started walking at nine or 10 months, you know, and then she insisted that Andy do the same. And they probably tried to insist that you did, but you were just quietly still sitting at eight months and just thinking about walking at a year. I mean, you just, you were way chiller. You were way. I didn't actually, I like this framing of like me being slow to walk. I was actually just very pensive as a, as a baby. You were just, you were more mellow. Oh, hi, Bog. He has to go under the bed. Sorry, baby boy. Bye, Bog. Um, oh, he doesn't smell fresh. Uh-oh. Oh, that's an interesting way to check and see why your cat doesn't <laughs> smell fresh. <laughs> that's where you got to look straight to the stores. But anyway, yeah, I just think you were, you were um, by nature, I think, a little um, me- mellower. 
Or maybe like I was kind of an introspective child. Yeah, always introspective. Hence that's that. interesting. I feel like that. I mean, we sort of segued easily into the other question I wanted to talk about, which is like, what how, how much I think about who I was as a teenager and whether it's similar to now, which we've kind of maybe already answered. Um, so you guys feel like there's been times where I kind of went off the path of who you expected me to be, but I tend to kind of come back to this central person that you've observed since I was a kid. I was writing, I don't know, if you guys read the newsletter, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. My, my biggest, most ardent fans. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the sweetest. Um, yeah, but anyway, I just, I talked about this idea that there are certain parts of us that are sort of stable, even, even when we change kind oh, of drastically right, through the right. years. Well, it, I mean, I, I actually think, um, you just reminded me when you said that, you know, your, um, your story when you were, I swear, six, maybe seven, we would have to look back at what Christmas card, you know, you always were thinking about that, you know, mom, can we just once as a family go to the fortune teller? <laughs> Where <laughs> I am just like, my childhood obsession. Why? Yeah. You were just, you always wanted to know the future. You used to always say things to me like, you know, you're just so lucky that you already know what your life is going to be. Like you just already know what it is. You've found who you're married to. You know, you, I I mean, you just always were thinking like that from a really young age. So, so as you did it, as you got older and you would throw out these, you know, Things where I'm just like, oh, wow, um, I, I don't even know what to say about it. You always did that from very little age, you know, and your need to write my famous little Beauty and the Beast paper that I carry around, you know. <laughs> yes, where you noted that it was that I might be a writer when I got older. Um, yes. Tell the story. I don't know why you've never printed that, where you, where you tell me you're really upset and you need to write. And you wrote only capital H's, all your letters of your name in capital and lowercase. And, and they then, were like backwards. And 25, backwards 30 and of those letters and, was your writing. But that you and felt the you need to express at that four. You were like, I think the note says you were four. And I'm like, maybe we have a writer on our hands. So you had the need to put down your thoughts at a little age. It's definitely how I process. I mean, mm-hmm. one thing that could be interesting for us to talk about um, is I feel like I get, you guys watch me go through like a really big career transition or sort of like struggle with studying business and sort of going more towards the, the kind of straight business route um, and working in tech and stuff. And then obviously do like a huge leap. A lot of people ask me about like how I did that or like whether they should or how they can. And I, it might be interesting to hear you guys' perspective having watched because, it, you know, mom, I think you, when I was choosing my college major you were like are you sure you want to study business right I tried to talk you out of it and do you remember what you told me back I was like it's just the most sensible choice right you said I really don't know what I want to do and having a business degree is the most sensible choice mm-hmm. and then I kind of feel like on the other side dad you were probably more encouraging of like that career I remember when I was graduating and I was like, I want to go to art school. You're like, good luck. <laughs> well, I think. Yeah, he wasn't as. Yeah. I think we, we always had the philosophy that when you guys were going off to college, that you were, you were going to college to, you know, learn and, and maybe, you know, gain competency at something that could support you long term. It wasn't just, hey, let's go see you know, what this is all about and have a fun time. So, you know, I, I'm, sh- I'm certain I, I encouraged you. I was more in you. the camp of fun time. Yeah, that's, that was certain. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> it would have been a lot more fun, I'm sure. Although I didn't really feel like the three of you lacked for any fun at college. But no. um, I think the idea of being able to get a job after you get out of college is, is a good idea. And, and, of course, we've bragged many times about how proud we were the three of you guys that you know you all got out of college and supported yourself and you didn't need mom and dad anymore but I also think we probably had more than one conversation about pursuing your passion and you know maybe being able to do that once you had your you know yourself established you were a little bit older and you could afford to do it on your own time as opposed to doing it at you know, putting if, off growing, you know, I'd say, I think for both of us, you know, having independent adults 
was really high priority. Yeah. You know, I mean, we, you know, all through, it really, that was a basic tenet, right? Of, And you did, came by it more naturally, but we really wanted you guys to be independent. So that was, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, yeah, you like to write and you love to draw, you know, but it was hard to say, you know, how do you, you Monetize know, that. is that your passion yeah. or what? You didn't really have, I think we would have been really encouraging if you knew something you wanted to do. I don't think dad, even dad with his philosophy would have said, no, you go the business. Oh route. yeah. I, I mean, don't if you're, so. if you're, I agree. Yeah. If you were driving hard toward it, it would have made sense. But I do remember, I still remember we were, we were looking, we were at a furniture store with you. And I Austin, totally remember what you were going to say. When you said you were going to look into copywriting positions in New York, I think, at the time, or maybe it was... Anywhere, I think. Anywhere. I think it was San Francisco, yeah. San Francisco. Yeah. You know, and, and I was like, wow, well, that's that'd be kind of interesting. And, uh, you know, I mean, you've all... I, I kind of go back. You've always been very consistent in the things that you that you pursue over time. It, it just all comes out to that same trajectory. I mean, it really does. And I was just thinking this. What do you mean by that? So if you were to ask, if you were to ask us which kid was more family oriented around holidays and stuff when she was younger, it would always be you, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and what happened uh, a couple weeks ago, we all got an email from you about getting the whole family together at Christmas. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, that's, you know, 25 years later, right? <laughs> or or when we had the practical joke that Christmas morning and we were all going to go fly to Denver, who didn't want to? Who wanted to stay home and have Christmas with our family? You know, I mean... Families don't fly on Christmas. You, you've been the same person for 31 years. <laughs> but also, when the copyright thing, when you said that, you didn't just, you know, throw it out, you know, out of nowhere. You said, you know, I'm saving my money. I'm, I'm really, I'm looking into this. I mean, everything, I think by the time we even found out you were doing an organized blog, you would put yourself on a schedule of coming home and blogging for two hours every night. Right. Remember, I mean, you, I I don't think you ever left us with like, what is she doing? You always seemed focused. Even if you didn't know what it was, you, you just always, you know, you do, you were not, you weren't flighty where we were like, oh my gosh, what, what are you going to do? And I just don't feel like we ever had that, you know? Yeah, I feel like you, I mean, you guys were always really, support. I, I don't think you were ever, like, raising your eyebrows. I mean, I think no. that the, when I was like, I'm going to go pursue a contract at Manor for, like, half the salary, and I don't know if it's going to work out, and I have no experience with this job, I think some, you guys were a little bit, like... Uh, oh my God, like, I don't but now you've luck. hit the entrepreneurial I, side. I, I was excited for that. Yeah, I was like, this is going like to be a hell of a story. Totally excited. Yeah, I know. I didn't mean like yeah. you were resistant at all. I think you were excited, but I think that you were like a little reserved. Can we talk and, about the time when you learned that you got that job? <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, sure. You were coming down to watch the Academy Awards <laughs> and you, I think with Austin, right? Uh-huh. And and you were driving down and I think we knew that that some that you, you were, were just coming. No, you walked in the door all flustered. No, but, but we yeah. knew something about about yeah. the man repeller opportunity before that and you came in and I I'm probably remembering it wrong <laughs> since she's shaking her head. But I just remember you were you were crying because Leander replied to you from Italy. I mean you hadn't got the job yet, but you were so excited. And she had given you some positive feedback, like, mm-hmm. wow, this is interesting. You know, I'm in Italy. Can we talk next week or something? And you were just you were just beside yourself. I mean, you were so emotional. You probably can't even tell us who won Best Picture that year. <laughs> no, I don't. Can you? No. But, yeah. I, yeah, I don't remember. I remember, yeah, she offered you a seven to eight week trial or something, six to eight week trial. Yeah, she yeah. had said it had flipped from me thinking that I was like going to like try it pitching for a freelance story to her being like actually we want you to be like yeah a junior editor and like come into the office and try it out and like if it works then you'll stay on full-time and I was just like excuse me <laughs> yeah you were, yeah you were you were beside yourself yeah, yeah. oh yeah. my god I remember crying and just being like I'm gonna fuck this up like I just couldn't believe that that yeah I had the opportunity but that you guys fun. were sweet you guys yeah. have always just been like super supportive so I'm I'm really grateful for that. Yeah, and you know because your other job left you with you know said hey, 
you're welcome back any time if you want to stay in New York and work there in New York. I mean, you, you had such a solid fallback that... I forgot about that. You're right. They did say that. You know, I was like, you know, whatever happens, she will land on her feet. I just never doubted if you would land on your feet. You know, you would go find something and you would be good at it. So, you know, it was totally worth the leap. Totally worth it. Yeah. Um... I know. What a crazy, crazy time. That was crazy. It was fun. Can you imagine if I'd gone back to work there? Like, it just hadn't worked out? Like, Yeah. No, I cannot imagine that. It would not. Yeah. No, no, no. This I mean, is, this is so much more, Haley, back to yeah. that thing about the trajectory. Yeah. I mean, you know, this is where you belong. Yeah. Doing, this is what you were always, you know, mm -hmm. we're always going to do. Some form or fashion. I mean, the HR thing, I thought you were good at it. You got opportunity. You worked hard at it. You moved up and you know that was great but you know this is much different this is the yeah. other half of your brain or whatever the expression yeah. is <laughs> i feel much more connected to like purpose which i was right. missing a little bit yeah yeah although it's a much less like steady like i just have no idea what i'm going to be doing in five years you know what i mean sure uh, right yeah. and right and and as far as uh, you know people doing it you know i mean you know, it's kind of always worth, you know, I mean, again, I thought it was completely worth you to do, go do it. I mean, give it a try, you know, because you, you can go back and do something different. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess it depends on how much of a, um, you know, how much support you feel behind you. Because at the end of the day, even though your worst nightmare would have been, Mom and Dad, I have to move back home. You did, you could have done that if you needed to, right? So it does depend right. on, on how, you know. I think you would have. Yeah, I've written about that before. Like, mm -hmm. I feel like it's that kind of safety net is 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 pretty obviously huge. like underemphasized mm -hmm. in a lot of these conversations. I you know I could have stayed with Kelly. I did stay with Kelly for two months right. when I first moved to New York. If I hadn't gotten the job, I could have gone back to my other job because they were really like supportive. Mm -hmm. You know, it, there was options. It was a leap, but it was a protected leap. So right. safety right. net, yeah, yeah, somewhat. Um, yeah. Hmm. I feel like this has been good. Do I get to tell? I Wait. don't. I, I no no. I get to tell. I get to tell my favorite story. <laughs> okay, tell it. I actually don't even know what you're talking about. I don't know how to work it. It in. might have to get edited out. But I have to tell it because it's one of my favorite stories. <laughs> okay, tell it. And there's a second part of it that I can't remember either. But it was when, it was when you were getting confirmed, at church. Oh yeah, it was something in church. Yes, I do remember. I don't remember the details. And, and it, we were all in that kind of a youth room, a pretty casual setting, and, and we had to stand up and tell a story or two about our, about our kid. And mm -hmm. so I stood up and I told them about the story about when you were going to middle school and that we had asked you, you know, what, what were you most excited for in going to middle school? And you popped <laughs> right back and said, oh, I'm most excited to have periods. He told that so I had to, to an entire gigantic I, room full of people. It was so was I horrified? fun. No, you were pretty no, cool about it. Oddly enough, your mom, I was, your mom was like, horrified. Why would you ever tell that story? Oh, it was so sweet. I just love that story. <laughs> so anyway, I I don't know. I didn't see an opportunity to work it into the podcast, so I'm just telling I it like, now. I, do you think everyone will know what like that means? I was excited to have like. Well, six different teachers throughout the day. Yeah, that's what you meant. <laughs> you can qualify yeah. that. Yes. <laughs> he just, yeah, just in case I'm like I don't know did like every did every middle school like have classes yeah yeah I think so but there was a, now wasn't there a second story I told as well I think there was and I can't remember it mom doesn't remember I, I don't remember either I mean I don't even remember the period one so I feel like I'm an unreliable narrator here yeah um, do we do you cover your subjects you wanted to or not yeah, I think we did. Mm -hmm. I actually wish we had more time to talk, but I'm like, I am, we're already at an hour 15. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm probably going to cut some stuff out, so I'm not too worried, but... Well, I hope so, because there's a lot of stuff that shouldn't go in there. Yeah, we got a lot of extra in We were just blabbing. <laughs> yeah, I know, but I feel like we could have got, like, gone somewhere. We could really cover a lot of things. Now, I feel like I was just like, why don't you guys praise me for five, ten minutes? But did we, um, <laughs> did we cover, did we cover both your subjects good enough? Well enough? Yeah. Oh, my God. I think okay. we cover them great. You okay. guys are great. Okay. You guys are great guests. We're going to have to have, like, a recurring check-in with the Nauman parents uh, segment. Oh, good. I'll save my other stories. I think that's an excellent idea. Yeah. <laughs> and next time, we'll have to focus on where I've gone wrong and how I can really be doing better. Ooh, <laughs> oh, okay. I think that's really, really helpful. <laughs> that would be good. Okay. Um, You'll have to pull out your files. <laughs>
All right. Thank you so much. Love you, babe. Sure. Good to Thanks. see you. Love Very you, fun. Okay. Um, thank you so much to Kathy and Vance, my very special parents, and to Amley for coming on today. I hope that was interesting to listen to. Um, I'm trying to keep these a little shorter, and I'm really failing to do it over and over again. So anyway, um, I really appreciate you listening. It's always fun to kind of have a chance to recap the newsletter, even though I didn't really do that this time. So I hope you got a chance to read that because it's quite different. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. It means a lot, and I hope you're having an okay Tuesday, the unanimously agreed upon worst day of the week. Okay, I'll see you next week. Bye. Uh,